You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network. And today I've brought on a usual suspect on the Bear With Me podcast, but one that I think is ever more important now that the Bears have gotten a franchise quarterback, and that is PFF's Brad Spielberger, resident Bears Twitter cap expert, who is here to tell us, because I know things were terrible. We don't even have to play games anymore we don't have to be pretend nice about where the bears cap situation was it was about as bad as it got given that they were right there with the saints who had been spending like they had a franchise quarterback but the bears didn't have one now that justin fields is in tow brad i'll start let we can go with the draft or we can start with the draft and then we'll get into the cap numbers is it safe to say the trade for fields was justified I mean, absolutely. You know, we, we talked about trades probably before as well. I think I've made my my stance clear on draft trades and moving up, but the exception is always quarterback. I, I, I was consistent in saying that I didn't care about trading for Trubisky either. If he if he works out, you're not sitting there going, oh, shucks, you give him a third round pick. No one would have cared. So it is the one exception to that rule. Um, if you land a franchise quarterback, you figure out the rest later. You know, it makes things tougher. You know, it makes the margins a little slimmer, but it doesn't matter if you land your guide and then you figure out you go from there and, and, and everything else is gravy. What blows my mind is that fields who, I mean, I know PFF had it this way. I had it this way. A lot of people had it where fields was, I mean, the third best quarterback in the draft. Some had him second best and he fell all the way to 11. It feels like the bears stole value. One thing that I can dip into here, because I thought it was fun. You talked about this. Am I hearing that Justin Fields is going to be making 33% less than Mitch Trubisky just based on being drafted out of the 11th slot instead of number two? It falls off a cliff at the top there. Yeah. So I had someone ask me specifically about Trey Lance versus Justin Fields. And Lance is going to make about 32 million, um, almost 33 million over his four year deal. And Fields is going to make about 18.8, 19 million. So yeah, so it's, uh, it's a steep, steep, you know, difference. And it's, it does, it, it falls off a cliff after the first couple picks, um, you know, so yeah, it, it goes even further to the discount you're getting if, if he does turn out to be the guy that so many think you will be. And that's amazing. And look, I'm not naive enough to think that just acquiring a Bears franchise quarterback suddenly puts the Bears cap situation in, and I'll quote like, optimistic people like one of the healthiest situations in the league but does it bring it back into balance like does the fields uh, pick balance the checkbook so to speak or are the bears still in a little bit of a hole and need to climb out of it so i think this is where when we talk about positional value in the draft i think this is a component that gets overlooked um and obviously you know i care about this stuff and i analyze all things of you know from this perspective but um, it's not a pure football perspective. And a lot of people say, well, no, look, you want to take, you know, quarterback, edge rusher, you know, tackle, whatever early, 
because those are the most important positions on the field. Yes, that's true. The bigger thing from my perspective is you want to take those guys and hit on those picks because the surplus value could be exorbitant. So we're talking about $18 million total contract over four years. I mean, you're paying the guy between five and six million per year. Oh, that was bad math. Paying him between what? Like five million per year. And I mean, he could be playing at a level worth, worth 40 million per year. So, you know, you're saving so much money that you can spend elsewhere. Um, that is a move that, again, if, you know, if he pans out as we all hope he will, where, yeah, it, it gets your books back in check. I mean, look, they still had to cut Charles Leno a couple of days later um, because they needed room to sign, you know, to sign Justin Fields and his fellow classmates. Um, so, yeah, it's not perfect yet. It's not rosy, but it's now at a point where you don't really have to worry, like, can they can they go after guys? Can they make things happen? Can they, you know, can they survive? Whatever. Um, that's that's the value of a rookie contract quarterback. And, you know, it's funny you bring up Charles Leno because I was planning on asking you about this later, but I can go ahead and ask you about it now. Like left tackle versus right tackle has been such a funny dance in the NFL because despite commentators, analysts, and announcers all saying that right tackle is becoming left tackle, the market does very, 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 very heavily disagrees. I remember looking at this with Charles Leno's money a while ago. Bobby Massey was being paid, quote unquote, high grade, and he was making less than Leno was, who was the 23rd highest paid left tackle. Left tackle's an expensive position. And I was just watching a bunch of Jenkins films, so obviously love the guy, thought he was a first-round talent, can't believe the Bears got him for 39th, like, overall. It's one of those weird things where it's like, well, the Bears traded up, so obviously they lost value, but then they gained it back off of stealing a guy who shouldn't have been that low on the shelf but getting back to the dollars and cents of it do you think that there's any like are the bears overplaying their hand because they could have cut somebody like hicks or cut somebody like graham to make room for the draft class but are they do you think that they're over theorizing potentially moving jenkins to that left side to save more money or if jenkins actually holds out at that position do you think they may be on to something you know, I don't think, you know, obviously we don't know. I don't think that move specifically to cut Leno of their options was a financial decision. You know, I think they, they frankly believe that, you know, they, they took a gamble, uh, you know, an experiment on Jermaine Effetti and they say, look, he, he was a tackle, he was a first round talent at tackle. Um, you know, the Seahawks tend to take third round talents in the first round, but that's neither here nor there. But, um, <laughs> you know, you bring him in for a minimum deal last year, you put him at right guard, but he was fine at right tackle. He was he was serviceable at right tackle last year. Um, you know, um, uh, he's not a you know like a, a great benefit, a plus player, but he's not killing you on the offensive line. And so I think they felt like, look, we can have we can save a lot of money at that spot. Um, you know, the Hicks thing that obviously considered moving on there. Uh, we, we don't know what the deal is with Jimmy Graham. I feel like I'm being mean at this point. I'm not trying to come after the guy's money. I just don't understand <laughs> it. But um, but yeah, you know why they chose Charles Leno? I couldn't really tell you. I am nervous, frankly, but. I also thought Tevin Jenkins was, I mean, I, I mocked him at number 20 overall, probably a hundred thousand times this off season. So I'm not going to complain there. Even with the trade again, it's, it's not great, you know, you know, value overall, but again, a premier position, a premium spot where you can potentially save a bunch of money, um, you know, if he does pan out. So it, it's, they, they, they are the two, you know, two of the most expensive positions in football with their first two picks. I mean, you're speaking my language here because I remember when I was doing that big Leno study, what really started to scare me is that it started to look impossible to replace your left tackle position without a first round pick. And obviously the Bears traded away their first round pick, so they weren't going to get one anytime soon. And if you think to yourself that Tevin Jenkins is a first round pick and that's 
part of why they wanted to play him at tackle. I mean, let's be clear here. The best first round left tackle rookie that I found besides Ronnie Stanley, who was just amazing and everybody knows it was like Garrett Bowles in Denver and Cam Robinson was like third best. And he was not playing well at the time, like second and third round left tackles just didn't hold up, but maybe the bears could find a solution at right tackle going forward. Cause Jermaine Effetti isn't the be all end all. And I, think it's fair to know that but it is interesting if you walk away from this bears draft thinking they found their franchise quarterback and they found their franchise left tackle that is two very very valuable positions and it kind of puts the trade-ups in a different light right it does it does yeah so i would say you know i would tell folks that we got to be patient with jenkins i'm of course going to be patient with fields but um you know co-worker mine timo Riske did a cool research a while ago that i've probably maybe even mentioned on this podcast before but this is looking at learning curves, just kind of which positions take longer to adjust and kind of are harder for players to get up to speed at the NFL level. And tackle is one of the hardest. So when you, when you factor that in and the possibility, which sounds like probability that, that Jenkins is going to go from right tackle over to the, you know, the, the, the blind side left tackle, there's going to be some growing pains. He's going to struggle at times. Um, there's no question there. And so I think the question is a valid one where Fetty is still on a one-year contract. Let's say he doesn't have a great year then yes, you could then slide Jenkins back over to right tackle, his more natural spot, um, let him kind of man that spot down, take care of that, and go ahead and, you know, find your future left tackle. Um, you know, you obviously thought Leno, you, you needed to save money and you made that choice, that's fine. Um, I do think that's a possibility. I mean, I mean, look, it's Jenkins is a stud, but like, you know, he profiles, in my opinion, more as a right tackle. His arms aren't super long. Um, you know, he, he's good in both phases, but I don't know, my favorite highlights were when, he, when they would just run behind him and he would just absolutely maul people, which, I mean, you can run behind the left tackle as well. But And he is good in pass protection, no question. He, he had phenomenal tape uh, against Joseph Asai from Texas, um, who was a third-round pick, I believe, um, early third-round pick. So, no, he's a great player uh, in both phases of football, but he just does seem like a right tackle in, in some aspects. But they'll figure that out eventually. Um, I think long-term now, you got to be optimistic that hopefully they found – you know, a bookend of their offensive line and the quarterback of the future. You know, it is funny you talk about that because I can't help but think that the guy that if I was going to compare Jenkins to a player, it's probably Taylor Lewan if you're looking at left tackles. And Lewan's not one of the best left tackles in football. Like, it, okay, let me be really fair to the guy. I'm saying that he is in that like eighth to 16th region, depending on the year. And so I will ask you this, if you were going to give me a fiscal answer, right? Would you rather have one of the top six right tackles in football or one of the eight to 10, like above average, even really good left tackles out of the same player? If, well, if you look at it from a contractual perspective, like, like you and I talked about where it was like, in my opinion, Massey was less, kind of justifiable because you're paying him top 10 right tackle money. And like you said, yes, he was making less than Charles Leno on a per year basis, but Leno was like the 20th highest paid left tackle, whereas Massey was like the seventh or eighth highest paid right tackle. So when you break it down that way, it's all about value and beating the market and beating the other teams. So, no, I mean, look, I hope Tevin Jenkins works out a left tackle. That'd be phenomenal. Um, even if he's not like, yeah, he might not be a top five left tackle, but if he's in that Taylor Lewan range, you're ecstatic with that. No question. Um, you know, especially finding him in the, you know, in the 30s. Um, that, that, that'd be an incredible outcome. And then, yes, you can kind of shop in free agency for a right tackle and you can save a bunch of money there. Um, still get a good player, um, but, you know, pay, you know, a fraction of the cost. 
which, you know, you talk about free agency and that leads perfectly into that conversation. One of the most popular things Bears fans have been saying for quite some time now is, and I've said it a lot, and I and I then had to start realizing where I was airing that the Bears, who at the time were an Andy Dalton-led team, were walking into 2022 with $60 million in cap space or something. And they hadn't signed the rookie class yet, and they hadn't technically given Roquan Smith his fifth-year option yet, and certainly they hadn't re-signed anybody else on the roster. But when you look at this team with Fields, with Jenkins, with the draft class that they brought in, because I think we're both pretty high on the group overall – when you look at the bears future does it has it gotten a lot brighter but like let's get past the decade of fields and the fun draft fanfare and the blue and orange bleeding that we all do like it's it's a blast to be a bears fan absolutely but putting your cap hat back on just how much better does this future get when you don't have to find your uh, your quarterback solution with money? You don't have to find that left tackle solution with money. And obviously, Mac is already accounted for on the roster, and, and even Quinn is to some degree. So you're not looking for edges either. Yeah, no, I mean the one spot left is is, is wide receiver. Um, you know, which will be interesting to figure out. Um, you know, I, I think I, I would have to guess that Allen Robinson's likelihood of being a Chicago Bear in 2022 um, did go up this, this past weekend. I, I, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but I assume he's more excited about growing with Justin Fields than he was playing, you know, with Andy Dalton on a one year deal. Um, you know, I mean, we'll see. But yeah, so no, it's definitely better because, again, it's just like you said, you don't have to go fix expensive holes in free agency. And, and as we know, Free agency in general, the entire purpose is you overpay. That, that's the nature of free agency. If guys hit the market, they're going to get more than they're theoretically worth um, in terms of football contributions. And, of course, at you know tackle or edge or, or quarterback, it's going to be an exorbitant amount of money. So if they do get a book in and their quarterback locked in on rookie deals, um, yeah, the, their situation, again, it's, 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 it's relatively maybe not healthy, but it's, it's totally navigable and manageable and, and is not – anything that I'm going to be, you know, raising alarm bells about because they have, you know, the, 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 the top spots are, are locked in. That's the magic of having a solution at quarterback, right? Is when you have no direction, it's like you're in a boat that's actively sinking. But then you get Justin Fields, the boat's floating again, and all of a sudden, all that pace Loomis stuff that he likes to do with the cap. Look, I hate it as much as you do. It feels like taking out a personal loan and then tricking the bank by getting another personal loan to cover that first personal loan. And he goes, ha ha, I got you. And we say, oh boy, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back at some point. But <laughs> hey, pace is pace. That's why he, I thought it was hilarious when he traded up for Devin Jenkins after the fact, because they gave us the whole, we couldn't believe he fell there. And it's like, there it is again. <laughs> they see yep. other people's picks as like their range. But even so, I look at this Bears future and I do think that it got a lot brighter. If anything, in a weird way, like I can't believe the Bears managed to play the Allen Robinson situation in a way that I actually think makes a lot of sense looking back because when with him on the franchise tender that gave the Bears the opportunity to potentially work out an extension past the draft as we know and it also meant that they could figure out whether or not losing Allen Robinson was going to hurt them because they didn't have somebody for Andy Dalton to throw to or hurt them because a different solution, be it Russell Wilson, who they obviously tried for, or a young quarterback, in this case, Justin Fields, now has their primary target. I think you'd agree with me that if Dalton was the best answer that they had, losing Allen Robinson becomes almost inevitable. 
because what is your argument to keep him? Whereas now with Justin Fields stand out from Oklahoma state or like Ohio state and maybe the best quarterback he's ever played with. Not only do you have a better argument for him to stay in Chicago and put up the numbers that you know, he wants to put up as he makes his case for the hall of fame, his words, not mine, but also there's more reason to keep him because as I'm, you can talk more about this than I can. You guys at PFF do wonderful research about it, but I feel like a great wide receiver on a poor quarterback team just doesn't help you near as much as a great wide receiver on let's just be nice to say a young quarterback team let alone like a good quarterback team does that make sense oh 100 i also think you know frankly even if you know the records are not as pretty as we hope like just justin fields having a security blanket and a safety blanket and a guy he can trust um a guy that he knows he can just throw the ball up to if he's in a pinch and he'll probably come down with it like Look, I think Donald Mooney's going to be a great player. You know, Cole Komet will be that kind of third down, tight end type of safety blanket on, you know, short routes and intermediate routes. But having the guy that you, let's say you're down in a game, when I mean, we saw with Trubisky in the playoff game and other games, like you're down in a game, you need to make something happen, and you throw up a prayer. Allen Robinson's your, your go-up-and-get-it prayer guy. And, and having that for a rookie contract quarterback, I, I think we probably can't even put into words how helpful and valuable that can be just at a confidence level. Um, and just knowing that you have that option, you know, that outlet for you. So I agree. I think it definitely makes it more likely. Um, and like you said, like you said, more justifiable or more, it kind of just makes sense. Like, yeah, if you had Dalton this year with no one behind him, and then you're going into next year and you don't, you have a question mark for quarterback again, um, why give Allen Robinson a ton of money? You know, we don't even know who's going to throw him the ball. So now it's like, oh, yeah, we know, we know Justin Fields going to throw him the ball. Um, and we know that he's going to benefit tremendously from Allen Robinson's presence. Um, I still think it's going to be interesting how that progresses. You know, I think the Bears, to their credit, I think, recognized, you know, and they probably spoke with folks around the league and whatnot and, and realized it was lauded as a super great wide receiver class coming into free agency, but they probably knew that Godwin was going to get the franchise tag, and they probably knew that there were kind of some questions about Galladay, and there weren't as many teams in the mix there as they thought. Um, obviously, the salary cap, you know, dropping plays a role in all of this, but um, you know, and Will Fuller's extension, frankly, kind of, you know, comes into the fold and he has to take a one-year prove-it deal because, you know, teams aren't really kind of wary to give him a multi-year deal there. So Robinson, essentially, there was no middle ground where he 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 made the right decision to not sign whatever they may have been offering. And we don't know, but he kind of has to bet on himself. You know, this I guess it is his third contract now, but it's probably his last substantial multi-year deal. So like people will say, oh, we should have just taken like 19 million per year. It's like, no, I, I understand that perspective, but let's say things get back on track next year. The NFL gets back up to snuff. Everything's working well. Someone could pay him 25 million per year. And we don't know, you know, so it's like you, you have to take the, take the risk, go through it. He has money, which is good for him. So we can kind of fall back on that. I mean, look, $18 million is obviously, you know, for one year is nothing to scoff at. I'm not trying to say it is, but, right. but you know, I think people kind of, you know, conflate things like that. And yeah. So I think they'll probably still ride out this year. And then if he does kill it again, I think both sides will be more amenable to working something out that they're both happy about. You know, I want to give you a chance to potentially change your answer on something. Not that you have to. I just want to ask the question. If you were Ryan Pace, would you, given that the market is a little bit depressed and that the Bears just signed Justin Fields, that nobody knows anything about anything right now. He hasn't even taken a snap in rookie minicamp. If you were Ryan Pace, would you push to give a slightly more generous, but maybe not $25 million a year extension offer to Robinson and see if you could get him for maybe a little bit less than his, let's call it his ball out contract. Does that make sense? 
No, it makes total sense. And this is the kind of questions that I think they probably mull over. And, and you know, obviously, you know, it takes two to tango and you have to, you know, talk to the sure. agent and make things work out. But I, I still think, I, you know, I don't think teams agree with me at all this offseason, but I still think there was there was options or there was opportunities for teams to kind of take advantage of what happened. Um, like the Jets, you know, they, the, the Jets made a bunch of splashes in free agency for external guys. And I thought they did well. Um, you know, Carl Lawson and Corey Davis, they, they didn't overpay, overpay really for either of those guys. They gave him solid deals. But like for is the example I come to, like for Marcus May at safety, he was a good safety, maybe not an elite safety, but that, clearly a top, you know, 10 to 15 safety. He's playing on the franchise tag. And, and if he has an incredible year now that he actually has, you know, a coaching staff and he has this great defensive line in front of him now and all these things. He might be asking for Justin Simmons money next year. And I just felt like this is just one example, but you can kind of, you know, extrapolate this to others. I feel like the Jets could have said, hey, look, we'll give you 13 million per year. Simmons has 15.25 for reference. And I think May probably would have taken. And, and yes, there's the risk that he's maybe not that good, or maybe the defense, you know, doesn't or it, it takes strides, but not because of him. And they, they kind of, you know, Saleh, Robert Saleh tends to pay, you know, the guys up front a lot more. He doesn't really care about the secondary. Richard Sherman himself has kind of said that. Robert Saleh's defense is all about the front seven um, and you just need average guys behind them because he just, you know, dials up pressure and kind of gets after the quarterback. So anyways, long story short, just one example, but I think there is a possibility where let's say you give Allen Robinson 21 million per year, five years, 105 million. And yes, there's a risk that it doesn't work out sure, but there's also, like you said, he has another year that he's had the last couple, but even better where you have Dalton and or Foles, or Foles, ooh, that was a Freudian slip. Dalton and our fields, yikes. Um, and, and, and he had, let's see, he puts up 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns next year. It's like, okay, he's getting, he's getting, he's going to get 24 million plus dollars per year. So it's, it's a gamble. Um, I'd explore it, but I think at this point, it's, it's very unlikely it happens just because the market was so suppressed at that position this offseason. Makes sense. Almost like they're just biding their time, that there's a sort of a group effort around wide receivers. Even Let's just say even individually, it just comes across as a group effort to just try to wait this year out, whatever that means, where maybe this is the one time where the franchise tag, like you said, guaranteed $18 million just isn't such a bad thing. And it will be interesting to see what happens with Fields and uh, Allen Robinson's numbers, because I, I would just be shocked if he hasn't been making the argument that his numbers have been depressed behind closed doors I would just and I would not be shocked at all given the Bears quarterback situation but like you're saying I mean even anywhere from 1250 yards to 1600 you could make the argument that they're going to get paid the same because it always ends up in brackets like you're talking about where it's like tier one wide receiver tier two wide receiver tier three wide receiver and the tier one defender take Khalil Mack for example he got paid a couple million dollars like just a couple maybe even a couple thousand dollars more than Aaron Donald because when you're Khalil Mack you get paid best defender in the NFL whatever that happens to be at the time and contracts have always been funny that way to follow it's its own language like you're talking about when you look at this Bears team pivoting away from that and more onto contracts, do you think they have the money to shore up for a legitimate Super Bowl run if these picks, let's just say that the top two work out? Like, let's just start there. Nothing from Khalil Herbert, nothing from Thomas Graham, nothing from a lot of the rest of the guys that I think make this draft class as special as it is. Fields is good. Jenkins is good. How good? Not the point. Do you think that they've got the money and the draft capital to gear up for an actual push at a Super Bowl? I mean, the simple reality, is, as, as nuanced as things can be in this league, the simple reality is if you have 
an 11th overall pick quarterback that is good, yes, you, you can do anything. I mean, it cannot be understated. Like I said, I mean, we're making four or five million per year. And going in, let's say, you know, his, you target his second or third season as kind of that window. There could be a quarterback making $50 million a year in, in, in 2023. I, I mean, it, there probably will be. I think they should. There, there will be a quarterback making $50 million per year in Justin Fields' third season. So if he's making on the cap $6 million in his third year, and he's maybe not the best quarterback, but he's a top 10 quarterback, you're saving $40 million, you know, on that contract. That's a quarter of the cap. I mean, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's crazy. So, you know, about a fifth of the cap will, will probably be, you know, next year. So, yeah, I mean, that is that is the simple reality situation. That is the most valuable asset in all sports. Um, I mean, it doesn't guarantee you, you know, obviously, so the defense needs to be decent. Um, it doesn't need to be elite anymore. It needs to be decent. Um, and, yeah, the offensive line and the weapons also need to be decent. But, yeah, if he's good, I, I mean, the sky's the limit. It's so funny you talk about that because when I actually think about it from a dollars and cents perspective, all of a sudden what Justin Fields does is basically takes that pressure that Khalil Mack's contract has been silently, slowly building on the Bears roster and almost completely alleviates it because Khalil Mack's getting paid normal quarterback money and Justin Fields is making, I mean, next to nothing compared to what a quarterback should be making. You're right. The Dak Prescott deal just makes that Justin Fields $6 million that that much more valuable because I don't remember Mitch Trubisky I could have sworn he was 27 million dollars over four years to hear that J Trey Lance taking a spot after him is making about a mil and a half more per year that is wild to hear where even the rookie calibrations are going the Bears got a steal with fields and it's so funny because what you're basically telling me if I'm hearing it correctly is fields doesn't even have to be a hall of famer he just has to hold water be good like that top half of the NFL, let's say top 12 for the Bears to really have that shot. And obviously, if he develops into better than that, great. But from a fiscal perspective, am I getting that right? Yeah, no, I mean, on, on the rookie deal, yeah. I mean, maybe you're not a Super Bowl contender because I think we're in, a, in, a, in an age now where you need to be an elite quarterback. But right. if, if he's a if he's in the 8 to 15 range, they're going to be a playoff team. I mean, like no question because they'll just – you know, they'll, they'll, they'll probably lose Hicks and Graham, some of these older guys, and, and Queen eventually, but they'll be able to kind of build around them, su supplement around them. Obviously, no first-round pick next year, but, you know, they'll, they'll be able to kind of, you know, they have the quarterback now, or they would in this hypothetical, um, you know, and they can just kind of pick their spots and buy their time and, and have another couple of good drafts, hopefully. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they would be a – for 2022 and 2023 um, and, and a fourth year, um, you know, hopefully he's signing a $50 million per year extension going into that fourth year. Not knock on wood, but, but yeah, so like they, they would be, they would be in the driver's seat to really make something happen. You know, it is funny you talk about Quinn specifically, because that might be the move that I'm surprised Ryan Pace had the guts not to make, where it felt like there was a lot of money that the Bears could have pulled out of that Quinn deal. And obviously lack of performance has a lot to do with this. Let's just leave it at Robert Quinn did not have the season anybody wanted him to have in a Chicago uniform, but I am pretty surprised that Ryan Pace just stuck to his guns and left that contract where it was because if memory serves that means that not this next year but the year after that in like 2023 the bears might be able to get out whereas if you restructure it he's basically a bear for the next five years right you know so they they, they had they, they did not have the choice to restructure they had to leave that contract alone uh, i mean they backloaded it like crazy to begin with it essentially already looked like a contract that had been restructured um, you know the way it was set up so yeah, no, they, they, if they did that, that's that's kind of a move where you're like, they are, 
frankly, just not really understanding how to go about this in a safe and, and, and healthy way. So he has a, it's, it's a proven year, I think. You know, you, you don't really want to move on until, um, you know, 2023 is the first year where it's doable. I think if he has a bounce back year and he plays, like, pretty well or maybe even, like, you know, has a really good year, um, you know, he, he can stick. But it's, it's he's essentially on a proven year coming into this season. Um, you couldn't, like you said, you could not push that out to where 2023 kind of became the proven year. You just couldn't take that risk. Makes sense to me. In that case, Brad, a lot of this is starting to make sense. Obviously, we can only materialize so much of it here in early May instead of like before camp even starts. But I will ask one thing. When you look at this Bears schedule, obviously things can change in a hurry. But how do you think this Aaron Rodgers drama potentially affects the division? Do you think that if Rodgers leaves Green Bay, the Bears have a shot at winning this thing? Or am I just high on Justin Fields right now? I mean, it's a tough schedule. Obviously, it gets a lot easier if you have two games against Jordan Love instead of Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, I still think I'm not going to sit here and say they would win both of those games. Um, but I think they probably have a very good shot at winning at least one of them, if not both. Um, but I mean, look, they're, they're, they're currently, you know, they're, you know, Vegas doesn't know everything, but their, their win total right now is seven and a half. And again, remember folks, right. it's a 17 game season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, basically they're going to go seven and 10 or eight and nine, which I think is pretty fair, you know, as it stands right now. Um, they have a tough schedule. I mean, cause they play the, what was it? The AFC South and the, I'm blanking. I got to help me out. But the two divisions they play are strong. They're just um, I, I schedule I mean, it, It's a grinder. I know the teams. Yep. I'm all, yep. For some reason, Brad, if you wanted to know my Achilles heel, it's the dadgum divisions. I am terrible with them. <laughs> like who's in which one. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, yeah no, but it's, no, they're playing, they're playing some tough teams. So mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be, but, but yeah, if that happens, I mean, it's a down division. I mean, Detroit, I, I think Detroit will be like, they're going to be bad for sure. Um, we know that it may not be, I think people think it'll be like two games. They're not going to be that bad. They might have, I mean, now they might have one of the better offensive lines in football. Right. Um, maybe not right away, but, but, you know, pretty soon here. Um, and golf is not good, but I think you and I have spoken this before, like his perception has now kind of gone so far to where it's like people talk right. about him. Like he's, you know, Christian Ponder. It's like, no, he's like, he can make throws. Um, especially when he has, you know, again, a very good offensive line. So, but yeah, they would be better than the lions. I mean, I, you know, I think the Vikings, I mean, they, they had a good draft and they did well. I think Darisaw was a huge pick for them in the first and, and Wyatt Davis at guard, but it'd be the Bears and the Vikings, I think, if, if Rodgers leaves. You catch a lot of unfair flack for talking well of Rick Spielman, so I'll say it so you don't have to. If the Bears took a top-heavy draft that was extremely good, the Vikings were the yang to that that just had a really great draft, top to bottom, grabbing value at almost every spot. Kirk Cousins doesn't scare a lot of Bears fans, but he might in this next season because with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen as well as Dalvin Cook who look I don't think you should pay a running back either but Dalvin Cook is still a weapon in his current state with a fat or with like a much better Vikings offensive line you don't know what this team could be and they I think anyways if Rodgers transfers out they become the heir apparent as far as winning the NFC North but they have to deal with the same schedule that the Bears do I think so it's not easy for them either and we would just have to see what happens the vikings are definitely the team that if if the packers lose their quarterback which would be i mean that could be just a death blow to them and something that they don't see coming and can't recover from in a single year the vikings are that team that i am like just watching everything that they do because they're going to be the difference makers right 
I'm glad you said it because I was gonna say it and I decided to dance around it because I get some. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> yeah, I think they would be. Look, look. I mean, Cousins. I agree. And Bears fans shouldn't fear Cousins. You know, the Bears have kind of dominated him, but he, the last two years he had a bottom three pass blocking offensive line, um, and they added two really good players. I mean, Darisaw I thought was gonna go like at their pick at 14. Right. Um, you know, he fell a little bit. I think he had some small medical issues, whatever it was. And then you know, Wyatt Davis is a really capable right guard, and they had. The worst collection of right guards you've ever seen in your entire life last year. It was honestly impressive <laughs> how bad they were at right guards. So, um, yeah, I, I think – and look, they, they, they have some growing pains too. It can still not be smooth sailing. But, um, you know, the other thing with them too is the defense. Mike Zimmer has not had a defense that bad in his entire career. Um, they might not be elite next year, but they're not going to be as bad as they were last year. So I think they would become – again, I'm not saying they're going to win 14 games or anything, but I think they'd become right. the favorite in the division to win, you know, 11 games. The NFC North, if if Rodgers transfers out, which look, I kept saying if Mac Jones gets picked at three for so long that I don't want to get hung up on another story that just doesn't happen. But if Rodgers transfers out, the NFC North could immediately become that division that like a nine game winner gets you into the playoffs in a new uh-huh. 16 game season. But you know what? For some, for, for Mike Zimmer and Matt Nagy, who both, I would not call either of them like on the outs given the field's choice i mean you got to have some confidence in your coach if you're going to make that but both of them could use that extra playoff appearance let's just put it that way because yep. both both their fan bases i don't know how ownership feels about either of them are getting a little bit sick and tired of not winning championships and so it would be kind of funny to see but either way it's it is so much nicer being on this end of the conversation isn't it than being where we were mm-hmm. in march and early April, just saying, oh, the Bears are going to try for a quarterback, but I don't think they're going to get one. Can't believe it happened. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about it and making sure that it's not just hype. This is real, and it's all dependent on what happens with Justin Fields going forward. Brad, thanks so much for jumping on. Where can folks find you online, and what do you got coming out soon? Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Um, and I'm putting out content on PFF.com all the time. I um, just had an article come out today about draft trades and, and pick values and stuff like that. Um, obviously, the Bears, you know, made a, made a big trade this year. But, uh, yeah, so you can find me there. Thank you again for having me on. Thanks so much, man. Talk to you soon. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.